Okay, so um, this morning we're in the second week of our series called No Matter What. Um, again, basically this is, this is when I can give you that, that one sentence, um, and then I'm going to talk about it for a few weeks. That one sentence from last week was this, we can stand no matter what when we know who matters most. That's the sheet, that, the, the sentence that you wrote down last week. We can stand no matter what when we know who matters the most. Um, basically, we could make every series a one-sentence series, couldn't we? Like, we could just say that and then move on to the next. That would be, actually, I'll be, we're not taking a vote because you'd be like, yeah, let's do that. That's a great idea. One sentence and go eat. Um, but we want to take, you know, a couple of weeks and just kind of unpack that just a little bit more. So, you know, last week we looked at how associations, how the people that we associate with either help us stand or they help us fall. And all of us would say, yes, we've seen it happen in our lives, right? People that you're with either help you or they hurt you. But we learned that following the right person leads us to the right place. We learned that the only right person to follow is who? Jesus. You can follow other people. Sometimes that's good. Sometimes that's bad. But if you follow Jesus, he'll always lead you to the right place. So standing no matter what is always about who you're standing with more than what you're standing against. When we stand with Jesus, he takes us where he's been and where he is. Remember we talked about the bungee cord, right? Kind of like the zip line to Jesus. And so if we're tethered to Jesus, then we know that wherever he is, that's where we're going to end up going. John 14, 3, he said that. He said, where I am, you will be also. You'll never think of bungee cords the same again, will you? That's good. Now, if you remember last week we talked about this, that we would all love and hate the series because at some point standing no matter what means that we face hard times and no one likes those times. So today we're going to be in the book of Daniel, chapter 6. We're going to look at Daniel, see how he responded to a pretty intense situation. And, and while you're turning to Daniel 6, let me just tell you this. Um, we need to agree on, on one simple reality. Usually, when people get attacked, when you get attacked or I get attacked, what we kind of do is we circle the wagons, right? Think about hard times that you've gone through, persecution. We kind of circle, the, we, we pull in, we close the blinds, and we try to kind of weather out the storm. That's typically how humans react to hard times. Our first reaction is to protect ourselves, which is understandable, but the biblical response to persecution is always to extend the gospel a little bit further out. If you read in Acts, you'll see where it says that they were persecuted, and as a result of persecution, the church scattered. That's <laughs> what we do, right? Hard times. But they scattered even further out, and through them, the gospel was spread even further out. God's never about seeing persecution bring us in and closing off, he always is pushing us out, always pushing us out. So we're going to see how Daniel responded to that. And, and what you'll learn is this, that when you're full of the right power, it frees us from the fear of going public. That's what you're going to write at the top of your sheet this morning. Being full of the right power frees us from the fear of going public. And by going public, we don't mean like in, you know, in, is it an IPO? Like the Facebook initial public offering and they, a bunch of people bought Facebook stock and then it went down like whoop, that very same day. We're not, we're not talking about going public. We're not talking about that. We don't have gathering stock. 
that I'm aware of, um, we're talking about going public with our faith, okay? So being full of the right power frees us from the fear of going public. So we're going to kind of see how that, that simple principle plays out in um, one of the most retold stories from the life of Daniel. So number one, Daniel was full of the right power. Let's play a little game here. You ready? Word association. When I say distinguished, what pops into your mind? What, what, what image do you see when, it, when you think of the word distinguished? Uh, most of us might think of like a certain look. Um, I think we've got that first guy, Denzel Washington. Um, you know, I mean, that's distinguished, right? Uh, some people feel like, you know, that looks good and all, but if you could just maybe add a, a little gray. Sometimes people think gray kind of distinguishes people. So, you know, you got a little George Clooney action going on, a little salt and pepper, right? All the people that think salt and pepper makes you look distinguished, raise your hand. Thank you because you just made me feel better. <laughs> the rest of you, no Christmas present from me to you. Um, some people think, you know, salt and pepper is nice, but if you could just add a little, maybe a little gray in the beard. And so, there, you know, we have a picture of George Clooney. So there, there, over there. Uh, nice, distinguished, clean-cut, gray beard. Um, but what we're going to learn this morning is this. That being distinguished has little to do with what's on the outside. It has a lot more to do with what's on the inside. And, and I've, I brought a picture to prove it. The gray beard does not make everybody look distinguished. Go ahead and show the queen with a gray beard. Mm. Wow. Daniel chapter 6. Let's see exactly what, what distinguished Daniel. Let's start in verse 1. It says, it pleased Darius to appoint 120 satraps, those would be like rulers, to rule throughout the kingdom with three administrators over them, one of whom was Daniel. The satraps were made accountable to them so that the king might not suffer loss. So obviously the king's setting up some leaders, right? Verse 3 is going to be our key verse today. Here's what it says. Now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. That word for distinguished. What, what exactly does that word mean? It actually comes from a root word that means this. It means preeminent or enduring. And preeminent, because that's a big word, preeminent. That's four syllables. So for me, anything over three, I'm going to the dictionary, right? So you got four syllables. So preeminent, here's what it means. It means having paramount rank. Sounds pretty good, right? How many of you like to um, think of yourself as being preeminent? You should walk around. I am the king of preeminence. Be a good title for you, right? Show up tomorrow and tell your boss that. Um, I'm glad that you're able to be my boss because I am the king of preeminence, <laughs> right? It sounds good. Like I'm, I'm, I'm enduring. I have paramount rank. When the Bible says that Daniel distinguished himself, it means that there was something about him that seemed that it would last. He had something about him was an enduring quality, like fine china, right? Not paper plates. He was not disposable. Uh, Listen, we live in a, in a culture where sometimes it's cheaper to buy new than to fix what you have, right? So you use it up, and then you throw it away, and you go replace it. That's not what Daniel was. He distinguished himself. There was something about Daniel that was enduring. It's like the king felt like, this guy is going to be around for a while. 
It's not a flash in the pan, fly by the seat of his pants, see him one day, maybe the next day he's not here. He wasn't unreliable. He was enduring. The question, though, is what made Daniel stand head and shoulders above everybody else? And that's, that's the key, right? I don't know how you are. I would like to stand head and shoulders above everybody else. Not just because I'm tall, but you know people that walk in the room and you just know that they're there. Like, What is it about that guy? What was it about Daniel that made him distinguished, that set him apart from everybody else? So we look on the external, right? Well, it was the suit, it was the hair, it was the beard. But obviously those don't make you distinguished because that's why the queen, and if this, this is being videoed, if she ever sees this and I just disappear, you'll know that they sent people to kill me. That's why the queen doesn't look good with a gray beard. She doesn't look distinguished. She looks silly. It's not the external things that make us distinguished, but that's how we treat it. Hey, we want you to be distinguished. So what we're going to do is we're going to train you how to walk, we're going to teach you how to talk. We're going to dress you a certain way, and you're going to be distinguished. But is that what made Daniel distinguished? No. Verse 3 continues. It says that he was, had exceptional qualities. Now, that if you've got the NIV, that's what it says. If you've got the New American Standard, the ESV, almost any other translation, the King James, what that will say is that he possessed an extraordinary spirit. An extraordinary spirit. It was something in him that made him stand out. It was in him. Not his clothes, not his diet, not his actions. All those things help us to stand out. But it was something in him that made him stand out. An extraordinary spirit. Not surprisingly, the word for extraordinary is the exact same way. It means the same thing. It means enduring, preeminent, surpassing. In other words... Daniel had a spirit of excellence, a Holy Spirit in him that set him apart and distinguished him from the others around him. You with me so far? You need to hit the person next to you? <laughs> Smiles all around. Pastor Paul, I always need to hit the person next to me. You don't have to even ask. I'll just do it without you even asking me. So basically, just jot this down. There was something different about Daniel because there was something different in Daniel. And that should sound familiar because that's what we have as believers in Christ. Just jot these three passages down. 2 Thessalonians 2.13. 1 Peter 1.2. 1 Corinthians 6.11. 2 Thessalonians 2.13. 1 Peter 1.2. 1 Corinthians 6.11. It's the Holy Spirit, the most excellent spirit that is within us. That Holy Spirit, those verses say it sanctifies us. From those around us. Now, sanctify, that's a big old word, right? Sanctify is three syllables. Sanctify, and it just means this set apart. The Holy Spirit in us distinguishes us from everybody else that's around us. Why should Christians look different than people that aren't Christians? Because we go to church? No. Because we wear ties? No. Because we read the Bible 30 minutes a day? No. Because we have the Holy Spirit within us. It's as simple as that. 
Do all those other things happen as a result? Probably. But we should see every circumstance different than anybody else around us. And at some point, and you've probably had this happen in your life, people will come to us and say, I don't know what it is about you, man, but I need help, and you seem like the kind of guy that can take care of this. All those people that mock you, that run you in the ground, that think you're crazy, that you're a religious nut, let them go through a hard time, and who do they come to? You. Because there's something enduring, lasting. There's something about you that's different. Those verses talk about that. Daniel was full of the right power, and so are each one of us who are following Jesus. So here's what we find if we keep reading verse 3. What happens because Daniel has a Holy Spirit in him? It actually sets him up for a promotion. Who would love to get a promotion? Raise your hand high. Your boss could be watching you with hidden cameras right now. I can't imagine anybody tomorrow, your boss calls you in. Of course, if you're self-employed, you'll have to talk to yourself and people will think you're crazy. But, you know, whatever. They already think you're crazy anyway. Like having a little, having a little conversation. You're a really good worker. Well, thank you. I feel like I'm a good worker. You're a great boss. I'm going to give you a raise. Thank you. I'll take it. I can't imagine any of you get, getting called into your office. People are, like, twittering right now. They're tweeting, my pastor is crazy. Um, I can't imagine any of you getting called into your boss's office tomorrow and them saying to you, we'd like to give you a promotion. And you say, ah, that's cool. I'm good. I don't need any more money. I'm fine with what I got. As a matter of fact, I can give you some back. No, of course not. It's crazy. All of us want a promotion. Every one of us. So Daniel gets set up for promotion. Verse 3 says this. Because he had exceptional qualities or an extraordinary spirit, the king planned to set him over the, how much of the kingdom? The whole kingdom. I'm putting you over everything. He gets set up for promotion. So here's the deal. If you've read the Bible any at all, like most Bible stories, if we could just stop right there, this would be an awesome story, wouldn't it? Daniel had shoulders above the crowd. I was looking, um, my, my kids go to Park Ridge, and so I was looking at some pictures this week. They did a little slideshow of the eighth graders who are leaving, and there's one, his name's Austin, and he's just like a gentle giant, just huge guy. You know, and there's this one picture of like four or five girls and Austin. You know, he's just like, literally, they come up to about his belly button. And I just, that's, when I, that's the picture right here. I mean, he's so head and shoulders, so distinguished above everybody else. Like, the, the king's looking at these other three administrators, the other two administrators, and all the 120 satraps, and he's going, oh, ooh. Oh, no, no, yeah, there's something about this guy. That's what we want. And if we could stop the story here, we'd be like, yes, that's the promise I'm claiming. That's mine. God's going to set me apart so much so that when people look at a whole room full of guys, a whole room full of girls, they're going to see me right away. I'm going to get discovered without having to be that crazy guy that I saw in America's Got Talent. I'm just going to be discovered because I'm standing around and they're just going to notice it. And if we could stop it here, we could just close the Bible, go home and be like, that was a great message. Paul didn't even mess that up. The problem is what? The story doesn't stop there. It goes on. And so being full of the right power made him a target for promotion 
but it also made him a target for persecution. And that's the target we don't like on our back, right? That's the one that we probably feel more often. Verse 4 says, do we have any ABCers in here? Anybody but Carolina? Are you willing to raise your hand? I am. Okay, there's three of us. I'm in trouble. <laughs> I'm glad you're strong because I might need you to get me out of here later on. ABCers or anybody but Carolina. So like whoever Carolina's playing, that's who you pull for. And I'm sure that, I guess Carolina's probably, are they like ABDers? I don't, anybody but Duke, right? I guess there's, I've never heard that phrase, but I would assume that they are. The Bible actually, ABDers, that's biblical. Because there's a group of men in this story that became ABDers. Anybody but Daniel. Anybody but Daniel. And so they start trying to figure out some way to pull him down, to get him out so that he can't become one of those administrators. Now, I don't know how you are, but I can relate to that. I've gone through times in my life when it felt like everybody was against you. Like, what did I do? Did I, like, wear a, do I have something on my back that I can't see? It's like, yeah, it's a bullseye, Right? And sometimes that happens, like you just take a stand, you're doing what you know is right, you're full of the right power, and you think that it should promote you, and actually you just wind up getting persecuted by everybody. Like you raise your hand for a prayer request, like, yeah, how can we pray for you? Like, uh, I'm just, I just need prayer, I'm being persecuted. And they're like, well, by who? Everybody. That's how Daniel was. ABD. Anybody but Daniel. So I want, I want you to make sure you get this. Being set apart by the Holy Spirit makes you a target, period. It makes you a target, sometimes for promotion, sometimes for persecution. And so don't be surprised by this. Um, Jennifer read this earlier, John 15, 18 through 20. That's what Jesus was talking about when he said, look, don't be surprised. They hated me. They're going to hate you. They persecuted me. They're probably going to persecute you. I mean, Jesus is saying it like, yeah, you know, whatever's going to happen. We're always freaking out. They're persecuting me. <laughs> what do I do now? Jesus is like, I told you it's going to happen. Just breathe. You're tethered to me. You're going to be where I am. You're going to get through this no matter what. Don't be surprised by it. Like we learned last week, wherever he is, that's where we're going to end up. The question is... What do we do in the persecution? And that's where we need to see how Daniel responds. Number two, before I tell you what to fill in the blank, remember what we talked about. Most people naturally respond to hard times by withdrawing. We don't ask for help. I mean, I, I can't speak for you, but if you're like 99.9% .9 of the people that are alive on the face of the planet today, when you face a really hard time, you do not ask for help. It's really, honestly, the worst thing that we've ever learned as an American culture. If somebody in your family is going through a hard time, you don't call for help because you don't want anybody to know that somebody in your family is having a hard time because we might think that you're a failure. I, if I call for help, I'm weak. Uh-huh. That's kind of the point, right? I love that. I don't want to appear weak. Okay, but you can't handle it. Well, I know, but I'll figure it out. <laughs> Do you want some help? No. Okay. 
Good job. That's how most of us respond to hard times. We don't want to ask for help. But Daniel, he responds differently. He does not go home and close the blinds and turn the light off and start rocking back and forth and hoping it goes away. How does Daniel respond to a hard time? He goes home. Um, verse 10. We're skipping down a few verses because the ABDers have just worked out this great plan about how to take Daniel out. And they realize, I love verse 5 that says, We'll never find anything that we can use against this man unless it has something to do with the law of his God. So basically, we're going to find a way to, to use his faith against him. And so they concoct this plan that if anybody prays, then they can be arrested. Because they know if we make a plan and have a law against prayer, we've got Daniel because he's always praying. So they do that. Verse 10, here's what he says. Now, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he did go home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. Some translations say this. He went home and made sure the windows were open towards Jerusalem. So instead of going home and closing the blinds, he goes home and opens the windows. And it says that he, three times a day, got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. So what did Daniel do when he was being persecuted? He went public. He opened the windows. He didn't change one single thing. He made sure that he still prayed the same times he always prayed. This time with the windows open so that possibly people could hear him praying. And I don't know how you are. Again, I just know me. Like if tomorrow there was a law in our country that said, if you pray and we hear you praying, we're going to kill you. I think our natural temptation would be, and I don't mean it's because we're wimps, just because we love Jesus, we'd be like, our prayers would go from, oh, Father, to, oh, Father. We'd be praying with our eyes open a lot. Jesus, bless us food. In Jesus' name, amen eating, and we would not be making it clear and obvious. Daniel did. Open the windows. Pray three times a day. Did not withdraw. Went public with his faith. Basically, when the men came and found him praying, it means that they knew when they would find him praying. Even if they busted a door down, they had to know what time of day to bust the door down, right? So somewhere along the way, Daniel has made it pretty public, like when he prays. They know. They just show up. And it says that they find him in prayer. These men went in as a group and found Daniel praying and asking God for help. And that's when they went to the king and told him they'd caught somebody. They caught Daniel praying. He went public, and as a result of that, was caught. What's Daniel's response to persecution? Bring it. That's the response. Bring it. That's the best you got? Bring it. Now, here's the difference. When we think of the phrase, bring it, it's usually said in rebellion, right? Oh, you think you're all that? Bring it. Come on. He just... He just says it in resolution. I mean, he's not being rebellious at all. He's just like, I'm serving my God. I'm not going to back down. He's great. I'm his servant. I pray. He listens. I'm praying. 
So if you're going to pass a decree, that's cool. You do what you got to do. I'm going to go home and open up my windows and keep on praying. Y'all listen close. You'll hear. Bring it. He prayed no matter what his enemy said. He believed no matter what the lion sounded like. No flinching. No fear. He went public no matter what the outcome. And his actions are a great picture of what you and I are supposed to do in the face of persecution. Jot these verses down. Ephesians 6.13. Ephesians 6.13. Tells us to put on the full armor of God. Therefore, put on the full armor of God. So that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything, stand. I love that. So stand your ground. And okay, um, Paul, I did that. Check. Now after I've stood my ground and it's not working, what do I do? Stand. Um, You already said that once, Paul. (laughs) What do I do after I've done that? Stand. Awesome. That's one of the sermons you walk away going, I don't know what to do with that. Stand. That's it. That's the game plan. Stand. How do you stand no matter what? Because you are full of the right power. You are not afraid to go public. You can stand no matter what. Uh, 1 Peter 2.12. 1 Peter 2.12 says this. This sums up Daniel's life. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Because we're set apart, verses 9 through 11, you're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you're the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you've received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. Because we're set apart, we live differently among the ones who actually could persecute us. I love that. Live such good lives among the pagans. Not like go off and start your own Christian skateboarding club or start your own Christian rotary or Christian knitting club. I know we have a lot of knitters here. Yeah, some of you guys, you're really into knitting, right? Yeah, yeah. Don't start. He's like, don't start separate, separate stuff. Just go live godly lives among the pagans. Go live in such a way among the pagans that even though they accuse you of wrong, they'll see the good deeds and they'll glorify your God in heaven. The result, God is praised by the very ones who persecuted us. They may see your good deeds. Daniel chapter 6, wrapping that story up, verses 25 to 27. After King Darius had thrown Daniel in the lion's den because he was going public, wasn't afraid to go public, he's in the lion's den, he kind of throws him in there, he's like, oh God, I just hope God saves you because I really like you, I don't want to lose a good man, you know, you're my best employee, please don't get eaten by the lions. And he comes back the next morning, he's like, Daniel, are you there? And Daniel's like, absolutely, I'm here, man. My God saved me. The lions hadn't even touched me. And so they bring him up. And after it's all said and done, King Darius writes this to all the people, verse 25. May you prosper greatly. 
I issue a decree, verse 26, that in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel. For he is the living God. He endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. Verse 28. So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. So what does it all mean for us? I mean... I don't think any of you have lions at home, do you? You're like, I've never called my wife that. That's kind of weird, actually. No. You don't have lions at home, right? <laughs> Let's hope I'm never coming to your house. Yeah, I got a pet lion. That's great. Not smart, but great. It, it means the same thing it means for Daniel. When you're full of the power, the right power, you're free from the fear of going public. So if you're up against it, if you're struggling, struggling to live with a no matter what attitude, the first step for you is to get full of the right power. And that's the very first step. I mean, that's the no-brainer application. I mean, i got to get full of the right power because I'm facing, a, I'm facing persecution. I need to get full of the right power. So this morning before we head out here, we're going to do communion. We're going to pray for you to be full of the Spirit. But here's the deal. That's not enough. That's just a start. There's a lot of people that are living their Christian faith week to week, right? And I'll tell you this all the time. I mean, coming on Sunday, that's cool. I mean, we love having you come on Sunday. But if this is all we're doing, Sunday, uh, Sunday, eventually you know what happened? You don't come back. You just, you just won't come back. Because it's not meant to be once every seven days. This is a daily walk. It's good to be prayed for. It's good to be full of the Spirit. But you know what's better? It's better every day to wake up and say, God, today again, fill me with your Spirit. I want to be full. I want to walk my life today full of the power of the Holy Spirit. Even the king recognized that in Daniel chapter 6, verses 16 and 20. Here's what the king said about Daniel. The king said to Daniel when he threw him in the pit, he said, May your God, whom you serve continually, rescue you. And he came back in verse 20, and when he came back to see if he had, he, he called out to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, you know, my very best employee, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to rescue you from the lions? Even the king got that. I mean, it's just not enough to show up on Sunday and get it. It's every single day, serving continually, every single day. What's one of the words of distinguished? What is it one of the means? It means enduring. Being full of the Spirit is an ongoing daily discipline. It leads us to unashamed, bold public faith, not obnoxious faith. You know obnoxious Christians? You're scared to say it out loud, aren't you? Are you sitting near one? <laughs> obnoxious Christians. How are you doing today? Great! That's good. And I say, I'm, so, I'm great. I'm not good. I'm great. Why are you great? Because I'm a king's kid. And you're like, that's probably all true, but I don't have any idea what you're saying at all. You should smile more. Be happy. All the time. You don't need caffeine. Just the joy of the Lord. 
I'm not, I'm not making light of the joy of the Lord. I'm just saying we all know like obnoxious Christians. Like at work, you got a coworker that gets hurt, and you're the one that's compassionate and says, hey, can I pray for you? And they're the ones that go, ha, ha, you're a sinner. That's why you got hurt. You're a sinner. <laughs> I mean, God can heal you, but ha, you got hurt because you're a sinner. I'm not. That's why I'm fine. Obnoxious faith. We're not talking about being obnoxious Christians. We're talking about being public Christians. What did Jesus say? Matthew chapter 5, verse 15. He said, nobody lights a candle and puts it under a bushel. Can we just paraphrase Jesus for a second? Only an idiot lights a candle and doesn't use it. You light the candle and you put it in a prominent place so that it lights up the whole room. So basically what Jesus says to the church is, you guys, man, don't be an idiot. Don't be full of the Spirit, the right power, and just keep it in. Go public. Nobody lights a light and doesn't use it. Go public. So how do you go public? I know some of you are thinking, gospel tracks, that's the ticket. I'll just lay it on the, the table today when I go eat with my dollar bill. That ain't leading no waitress to the Lord, I can tell you that right now. No servers coming to Jesus because of the dollar tip in your track. Now, they might come to Jesus if it's a $20 tip, like a real $20, not the fake $20 that's folded in half to make them pick it up and think they got rich, right? They might come to Jesus if it's a $20 bill with a track. Maybe they'll, they'll actually think kindly of you, right? How do you go public? Some real practical ways. Pray for someone when they ask you. That's public. So you're in Walmart, right? Hanging out on the deodorant aisle. And somebody else is hanging out on the deodorant aisle. And you strike up a little conversation. And in the middle of the... <laughs> trying to say something. Yeah, in the middle of the conversation, they happen to say, well, listen, um, keep me in prayer. Um, I'm going next week for a job interview. Typical response. All right, I'll, I will. What if you just, I'm just going to just suggest it. What if you just turned to them and said, can we pray right now? In Walmart? On the deodorant now? Are you crazy or something? Kinda. But it's not that I'm a religious nut. I'm just forgetful. And when I get home, I'm not going to remember to do it. So, can we just do it now? That's going public. That's one way to go public. <laughs> You're like, can you get other suggestions? Because I don't want to do the deodorant prayer in Walmart. Here's one, real simple. Invite someone to come to church with you next week. Now look, we're, we're, we've been in this little kind of weird spot here, right? Like, do we invite people? Do we not invite people? Because it's already kind of full and we don't want to, what if they all show up and where will we put them? I'm at a place now where like, you know what, no matter what, just invite people. So if we had 200 people show up one Sunday, that'd be crazy, right? We've been close, actually, and it's okay. We'll survive it, right? Just make sure it's a really hot summer day and Connie will sell tons and tons of fraps. Right? But you know what? Invite somebody to come to church with you next week. Why do we keep this stuff to ourselves? Just invite them. 
Go public. Don't be afraid. Here's another way. To share your story with someone who really needs the grace that's found in it. We talk about that, valuing your story. You guys got a testimony. I mean, I, I hear them. I go, to, I go to community groups, and I just hear people talk about what God's doing in their lives. I'm just like, God, I just want to record that. Right? Just share your story. I can guarantee you that what God's done in your life is for you to share with somebody else. Share it. Because when you're filled with the right power, you will be free from the fear of going public. And some of you, honestly, if you're shy like I am, the idea of going public is enough to almost make you wet your pants. I don't even want to talk to people. Just go public. Just because you're full of the right power. And it frees you from the fear of going public. It helped Daniel stand no matter what. It's going to help you do the exact same thing.